You are listening to Satellite Sisters. Not every conversation will change your life, but any conversation can. It's July 25th. I'm Leanne Dolan here in Pasadena, California. I'm with my sisters, Julie Dolan. Julie, you're you're still in Steamboat, right? I got the location Nana, correct. Yes, Leanne. Nana Camp is in full operation, although I lost my head counselor. My husband <laughs> left town on a business trip, so it's it's me and the kids. We had a busy week. I have a report for you later. Okay, good. All right. And Liz, you were in Bend, Oregon. You've returned temporarily to Santa Monica. You are returning to Bend, Oregon, right? No, that is not correct. Oh. I am I am currently in Bend, Oregon. Okay. I, I drove up to Bend, Oregon over the weekend. I'm in Bend, Oregon today as we record. I'm returning to Los Angeles tomorrow oh. for some other professional obligations and then coming back to Bend, Oregon this weekend for the duration, through the family reunion and uh, and the eclipse. Okay. So, you know, Ooh, yes. So close. So I was so close. <laughs> Yes. All right. Well, speaking of the eclipse, we have some very exciting news about the eclipse. You're going to want to stay tuned about that. And it's not just for people in Oregon. It's for people across the country. We want to involve you in this historic event. So we have some special information about that. Uh, We have an unparalleled amount of swimming news on the show today. (laughs) I mean, you're just not going to find this on other podcasts that are not called swimming podcast. So uh, it's unbelievable. Um, we're following up on the USC dean who's, who enjoyed smoking meth and raising money for the medical school. We're following up on that. Uh, I am still in recovery from the Princess Diana documentary last night yeah. on HBO. So we're going to talk a little bit about that and possibly the greatest episode of television ever. I happen... <laughs> I happen to tune in to a repeat of Martha Stewart on Say Yes to the Dress. And if you want to see the quintessential uh, expression of wasp shade, wow, this episode, (laughs) woo, woo, we have some... Breaking news on the summer salad front. Julie, we, we discussed I think yesterday. we're one of the only podcasts that focuses on summer salads, <laughs> Leanne. And let's just say people love them. So we're going to be talking about it. And then I have a big book event in Pasadena on Friday night, and I want to tell you all about that. It's going to be in Pasadena, but we're also going to Facebook Live it on the Satellite Sisters page. So all that is coming up. But Liz, you have been masterminding the August Eclipse Satellite Sisters specials. So why don't you tell, why don't you tell I, I don't even think, I don't think special is even a special enough word for it, Leah. Yeah. I think we're going to have two Eclipse Spectaculars okay. on Satellite Sisters, <laughs> right? That is the only word I can use. Because here's the deal. We were sitting around thinking about, like, other than just talking about the Eclipse, like, it's so close to our heart, especially me. I feel so strongly about this celestial event. Yeah, you're in really deep on this. Event. Yeah, <laughs> I'm yes. worried about how closely you feel about this thing and that lizard brain thing that might come yeah. out or whatever yeah. that was. Yeah, but go, but yes, yes, we're definitely okay. enthusiastic about it. So we're super enthusiastic about the eclipse, and yet we also realized that we normally take August off at Satellite Sisters. So that was that was kind of the dilemma, like to do this big build-up and then what? Go dark? Ha, ha, ha. Go dark in August Well, for the eclipse? So no, we cannot do that to you. We are producing two very special eclipse spectaculars. The first one will be next Tuesday, Tuesday, August 1st, so our normal Tuesday schedule. 
we realized at Satellite Sisters that we actually have a family astronomer. And not just any family astronomer. We happen to have an astronomer, our cousin Bobby. We call him Cousin Bobby. But he is also known as Dr. Robert Kirshner. He's been an astronomer and astrophysicist at, on the faculty at Harvard University for the last 31 years. Uh, he's won a whole bunch of prizes, including the 2014 Breakthrough Prize for his high-Z supernova team, and then a whole bunch of other prizes that are too complicated for me to even read. His graduate students won the Nobel Prize. So these are, you know, and so we were sitting around thinking, what, what, what can we talk to about the eclipse? And then out of the blue... I got an email from Cousin Bobby because he is not going to be able to make our, um, our family reunion, but he wanted me to know that he was thinking of us. So let me just give you a highlight for what Cousin Bobby wrote to us. He's like, uh, first, you may know, he's now a research professor at Harvard, so he's entirely doing research, not teaching anymore, uh, but he's also the chief program officer at the Gordon and Betty Moore Foundation in Palo Alto. So he's in charge of giving away $100 million a year in scientific research. So I thought he was writing to us sisters, maybe that we could pitch him some ideas for how to get a piece <laughs> of the $100 million. Yeah. Uh, but no, he said... I am still mindful of my role as family astronomer. And one of my, I'm still mindful of my role as family astronomer. One of our many fine activities at the Moore Foundation has been to purchase one million pairs of eclipse glasses. Uh, they're being distributed through public libraries, which is useful for all, but surely you would prefer a passel for the stampede, which is our, the, the Clarman stampede is the name of our family reunion. So family astronomer is sending us eclipse glasses that will be distributed at the family reunion. But that's when, Leon, this was actually your idea, like, hey, well, maybe we could get Bobby to come on the show and answer all our questions about eclipses. Right. And guess, guess what? He would be delighted mm -hmm. to do that. I wrote back, <laughs> I was like, we actually need a family astronomer right now. So on next Tuesday's show, Dr. Robert Kirshner, one of the leading astrophysicists in the world uh, will be on Satellite Sisters to talk to us about why are humans just so amazed by eclipse, speaking for myself, like why eclipses <laughs> since, since, yeah. primitive, since primitive man, why have eclipses played such an important role in the way we think about the cosmos, but also like, what is the cosmos anyway? Like, how, what is the thing? What, the actual science of the eclipse. So if you have a question you would like us to ask Dr. Robert Kirshner about eclipses, but we're recording the, the show, the interview with him on this Friday. So it's Tuesday as we record this. I'm going to put this on our Facebook group. You can post any questions you have about eclipses there, and we will try to get to as many of them as we can when we talk to Dr. Robert Kirshner of Harvard and the Moore Foundation on Friday for the show we post next Tuesday. So how about that? That is one eclipse spectacular, wouldn't you say? Yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, the Satellite Sisters talk about the eclipse seems appropriate. And, with <laughs> and here's, yeah. I, I think here's the other good thing you need to know about our cousin Bobby 
is he has won all kinds of teaching awards. Right. So don't think that like, oh my gosh, I don't want to listen to some boring astronomer on a podcast. He makes it so interesting and can, you know, and so simple and fascinating that you are going to enjoy listening to him. Yeah, exactly. It will be a lively, entertaining discussion of eclipses. We promise you that. So that's Tuesday, August 1st. And then Tuesday, August 22nd, the day after the eclipse, we are going to come back from our our August hiatus and record a special post-eclipse show for you that will be our experiences during the eclipse, but mainly mine, what I am going to go through because I am, I am in the totality. So if I survive the totality, you will get our second eclipse special on Tuesday, August 22nd. Yeah, well, so and I'm going to be slapping on those glasses, Liz, and I'm going to be in Dallas looking up at the, you know, the sun. So yeah. I think for people all over the country, it's going to be fascinating to hear what happens to you. Yeah. So all of this info will be posted at SatelliteSisters.com so that you can know about that. Also, during August, we'll continue to to release things um, under that new to you banner, some of our archive shows that we think you will appreciate. But anyway, two giant August Eclipse Spectaculars. So because that's what your Satellite Sisters are going to do for you this summer. That's it. (laughs) And then the rest of the month, we'll be posting new to you shows. Thinking yes. about you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> really, really thinking about you. <laughs> okay, well, sisters, can we just have a uh, just take a moment to do a little recap about what we talked about last week, which was the big Michael Phelps versus the shark uh, uh, television special. I want to uh, make an award, and this would be the Geraldo Rivera Al Capone Volt Award to Michael <laughs> Phelps and and that shark for the biggest TV disappointment ever. Did you see this show? Of course, first of all, let me give you the cultural reference there. In 1987, if you were old enough, you probably were glued to your TV as intrepid reporter Geraldo Rivera uh, attempted to open Al Capone's vault, which was supposed to have all these incredible things in it, and it had nothing but dirt, okay? (laughs) Going way back, going way back. I went way back for that, but that's kind of how I felt about Michael Phelps versus the shark. It was nothing but dirt. But in this case, it was a CGI shark. It was they he he swam against a simulated shark. It wasn't even like I thought we were. He was going to be in the ocean next to the shark or something. The way they were promoting this thing, and it was just a whole lot of nothing. Okay. <laughs> so I, I now, I mean, now that he's done it, I feel like my, my proposal to have Roger Federer play tennis against an Alaskan grizzly is a totally <laughs> watchable show. Right. Okay. Yes. Take, because you can just have the hologram of a, of a grizzly. Yes. That's that what, what I mean. Thinking? I mean, it's just, it was a big a disappointment with the capital. <laughs> Weight loss. Oops. Sorry. Video just turned on. I did. I, I was turning. I was calling up my next story, and ah, ah, ah. How do I make the ad turn off? Okay, hang on. Oh, come on. Okay, we have some ads embedded in our <laughs> Okay, sorry. Just close the page. There you go. That's what I did. I was trying to get it to go. turn off, but easier just to close the page. Okay. <laughs> but, uh, but so the shark, the shark won, and everyone else lost, as far as I'm concerned, with that show. That's all I have to Julie, say. Julie, I have to agree with you. I know I 
battled last week that it was a worthy cause and I was excited to see it. But once I started to see on Twitter the people on the East Coast that had seen it and said, what a fake, I was disappointed. So I, I give you this one. You were completely right. Good call on that. So, yeah, bummer. But in other sort of shocking swimming news, uh, the governing body, the IOC, voted the FIFA, uh, of synchronized swimming, the governing body, FINA, F-I-N-A. I don't know what that stands for, but just trust me on this. Uh, it's, 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 it's French for Swimming Federation. Okay. Um, <laughs> they voted to change the name of synchronized swimming to artistic swimming. Is that the worst name you've ever heard first of all it's going back to water ballet like i don't Mm -hmm. understand what was wrong with synchronized swimming at least Mm -hmm. just i when i saw the headline like name changed i thought oh they just tightened it up to like synchro swimming like you know because that's kind of edgy and and new and they do the synchro diving now so that makes sense they're going to artistic swimming i think that does a disservice to the athletes even though they're wearing nose plugs and makeup and hair gel (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they're they're underwater for like three minutes at a time and they're leaping up into the air. I guess is it to make it more compatible with artistic gymnast gymnastics? Is that I guess, but that's rhythm, rhythmic gymnastics. Like yeah. I don't oh. e- I don't even understand why they would do this. And uh and I am not alone because the synchronized swim community around the country rising up and putting out a change.org position. They're gonna put a petition, they're gonna flat out not change the name of all their swim clubs. And I signed it because I was outraged on their behalf. So <laughs> standing up. Did with... somebody yeah. Leon, did someone ask them to change the name? Was there a movement to we need a better name? I don't understand what precipitated that. I, I don't either. It just it was like the IOC wanted they thought it would be a good idea to distinguish it from what? Swimming? I think people know swimming is swimming. <laughs> it's just swimming. Yes. People love it. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else that's not straight up swimming is people with hair gel and, and makeup on. I mean, I, I don't understand. I just, I didn't understand. Mm-hmm. And I was like, maybe it's a lost in translation thing. Maybe artistic swimming sounds more athletic in other languages, but it really doesn't. I think synchronized swimming was kind of a good name. So mm-hmm. I don't really understand. All, I know that along with the female golfers standing up for sports, I am now standing up for synchronized swimming. So I think just <laughs> we take a vow as the Satellite Sisters to never call it artistic swimming because okay, I do okay, think I'm that devalues yeah. the athletic, the athleticism of, of, the, of mm-hmm. the swimmers personally, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Artistic. I'm with you, Leanne. I'm on board name. and I'm, I'm totally on the bandwagon with uh, the LPGA, um, you know, uh, <laughs> my protest. Yeah. Shoot. Okay. I, yeah. I went in deep on that topic, Leanne, and that's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Okay. Right. Let yeah. the athletes dress like athletes and let's not change the name of, you know, athletic events to artistic anything that just doesn't mm-hmm. say athlete. You know, it, it says okay. in fact the opposite of athlete really <laughs> when you think about and it. And it's just so dumb too, that, a sport that people don't spend a lot of time thinking about in a non-Olympic year, you know, so three years of no news about your sport and one, you know, flurry of activity where people enjoy watching it or even if they mock it. Like, why would you, if you're that sport, decide, well, in an off year, let's change our name to something really stupid so then we can generate the maximum amount of bad publicity for ourselves during the off years when people aren't really thinking about us at all. It just seems Spoken like... from a brand guru. You just heard that, Synchro Swimming. You need to get a better, keep your name. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Or Yes. I'm, I'm with that. Okay. 
Um, another follow-up from last week's story. We we gave you many of the headlines from the like blockbuster L.A. Times story about the USC dean of the medical school, who it turns out was a very serious meth user and was, as they said, you know, hanging around with a lot of criminal types and was in a hotel room where a prostitute OD'd on meth and got rushed to the hospital. So he had been allowed to just quietly resign and go away. And the LA Times, 15 months later, busted this thing wide open. And, well, Leon, you also live in LA. So you see, it has been the front page story every yeah. single day since right. last week. Right. The, everyone is outraged. The, obviously, the medical school is outraged. The students are outraged. The parents would like to know what the hell, you know, the, par <laughs> the, the parents are out. This was one of their star professors. He was a star eye surgeon. And even after he resigned as dean of the medical school, he was allowed to stay on the faculty and continue practicing eye surgery. So last week we said he had just canceled all of his appointments. That was good. But Julie, you've been in academia. You know, like, the, the fact that he was still allowed to stay on the faculty, it's incredibly difficult to remove someone from a faculty. Yeah, right? I mean, the, ten, the tenure system, uh, which he would have at USC, really does protect the employee in this case. Um, and it would be very, it's very difficult. And faculty members are, you know, they're very reticent to, like, vote someone off the island, uh, you know, yeah, a tenure yeah. faculty member. So that didn't happen. But this is outrageous, and it's and it's uh, and it's certainly still unbelievable to me that more people that worked with him on a day to day basis didn't know something was up. Well, see, that's what that's what the parents and the students really want to know because they don't believe it either. Like especially in a medical school. So four days after the story broke last week, the president of the university said that they were outraged. Oh, I'm really glad that took you four days to decide. <laughs> and then, oh, four days. How, how are we really feeling about this? Let's have a faculty meeting. Let's decide how to express how we're feeling about the meth-using dean of the medical school. So they're outraged. Um, then the there's a story in today's paper. They are actually going to kick him off the faculty, they believe. And they have um, started their own investigation because that's what that's what we need now and at 15 months after it happened an investigation <laughs> and what's amazing about the LA Times story is now they've published all of the attempts the paper made to bring it to the attention of the university right they have all they have all of these emails they have all of these phone calls they even have an example where they had a courier take a letter a, a sealed letter directly to the home of the president of the university to try to get them to like read and respond. And the president of the university, this is like a year ago now, returned it unopened. Like talk about in denial, like how much, <laughs> how do you do that? How do you, I, how I don't do you know. Even, I don't know. I don't know how you do that. I don't know how you do that. You just, <laughs> well, you only believe what you want to believe, I guess. There's yes. <laughs> Denial is a very powerful tool. <laughs> well, I mean, in the fact, I mean, that he was raising all the money for the university. That's, right. yeah. I mean, that's what, you know, this is about. So yes. that's really. Well, but now, but don't worry, everybody, because now they're going to investigate it. 
So I think you're good. If you're one of those parents who's been paying you know, like $100,000 a year to send your child to USC, don't worry, they're on it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anyway, we'll, we'll put the notes on the latest about this case because it's just really fascinating about how an institution can completely fail to deal with one of its own. And, right. you know, even if you just think, well, let's deal with the, guy, with the fact that the guy has a drug habit, right? That's, you know, they just failed to deal with that. Anyway, we'll put that in the show notes, but that's the latest from the campus of USC. All right, we're going to take we're going to take a break here. We want to thank our sponsors, and then we'll be back. Julie has an update from Nana Camp, and uh, <laughs> Head Counselor Urban Nana has an update from <laughs> Nana Camp. Stay with us. We're the Satellite Sisters. Leanne, we are super. It's a, a fantastic service if you're a pet parent, and we're really happy to have Rover on board here at Satellite Sisters. I like it, Leanne. It's all about pet parent peace of mind. We're back. Julie, what's happening there with the grandkids in, in Steamboat Springs? How's it going okay. this week? Well, this is a, this is week two of Nana Camp. I have my 10 and 8-year-old grandchildren out here uh, for about two and a half weeks, and Every day we try to do fun. So this past week, we did a lot of water sports because the river is low here. The Yampa River flows through the center of Steamboat Springs. And, uh, you know, we felt like we needed to get in our water water sports early because we waited till the end of our camping uh, season. It may be too low to do floating and kayaking. So we've been super active, Leon and Liz. We have, we've done, been on the Alpine slide. We've taken a five mile hike. We've done, you know, kayaking. We've done tubing. We are on the go. And, and I, I'm pretty proud of us. We're a good unit. Um, you know, we work well together. The kids are having a blast, but we got, we had just completed a very successful little kayak trip on the Yampa river. And I was feeling good about it because they each now could, could paddle their own kayak, and that gave them such a great sense of satisfaction. And as we were getting out of the kayak, our, our kayak instructor said, well, now, now maybe you want to take the kids zip lining. I was like, <laughs> oh, wow, <laughs> really? Okay. Yes, yeah, this is great. New Steam, Steamboat Springs, zip lining. They have a whole zip lining course with, you know, I, we read about it online, and, you know, you have – you can drop 130 feet on a zip line at one point on this course. You know, can I just say something about zip lining? First of all, I, I'm not really that crazy about heights. And why is it that zip, the image of zip lining, like if you see, you know, ads on TV, you know, you see it in movies, like this is the sign of an active person. This is a sign <laughs> right, of it's true, someone right. who's really engaged in life and is up to the challenges of life. And this is the way to show that you are, you're living your fullest life is to jump on a zip line. And do we have to do that? Yeah. Do we have to zip line? <laughs> really? Yeah. You know, it, it's in the same category with bungee jumping, right? Yeah. It just doesn't, it doesn't really take any skill or any physical prowess of any kind. And yet you're right. It is the image of the active, uh, you know, fun person. Uh, yeah. But I, I, would, so, I would think an eight-year-old boy would really dig it. 
Yeah, well, fortunately, there's a weight minimum on it, and he's he's just oh, under the weight minimum. Huge. So yeah. we're not going to be ziplining this year. We may never be ziplining. Nana, Urban Nana may never be ziplining, but we're not. We're certainly not doing that this year. The other big project that we have started on is crafting, and it's pretty much in the same category for me: ziplining and crafting. I have <laughs> no skills in this area, and I'm somewhat terrified of crafting. But I have to give a big shout out to our former producer, Corny Cole. Um, uh, she uh, and her company, Skullduggery.com, sent a, you know, a box of, of, of toys and craft products for um, Alice and Ben to try out. And I want to talk about one product in, in particular, and it's called, it's a, it's crafty and it is a, the 2017 product of the, of the year. And essentially what you do is you, you cast letters to make a customized message. So you get, you get the cast material, you get letter molds, you get, you get paints, you get, um, and so it's all right there. It is a perfect crafting project for eight to 10 year olds, you know, and older. Uh, and, and it's fun. You can see this. It's a multi-step product that you have to cast it and then you get to sand it down and then they get to paint it. But it's the idea that they can customize a message, whether they make it, you know, the letters may spell out their name or we're working on a project that says, I love mama because they <laughs> wanted to make something special for their mom. Uh, and so that's what we're working on. But again, I am terrified of crafting projects. So I held my breath. We took out the box. We read all the instructions and really I'm in a, I'm in a, like a sweat, just reading the instructions. <laughs> and may I say it's a four step process, simple step. Like Leanne, all you really have to do is pour a half a cup of water into a plastic bag with this cast materials. That that's the only thing you really have to do. Okay. But again, yeah, for some you were reason, in a sweat. Cause I was on the phone with you and you're opening up. You're like, Oh no, I don't think I can do this. I hope we don't burn <laughs> the house down and blah, blah. I'm like, really? It's what? If it's for kids, how complicated can it be? So I'm reading the instructions. I'm like literally seeing double, okay? Because this, you know, it says you pour a half a cup of water into this pre-measured bag of cast. I mean, Skullduggery.com has been manufacturing crafting kits since 1987. They know what they're doing. So you just, that's all you have to do. But then the next step is, I thought the instruction says, wait two hours and then you start the project. Alice, the 10-year-old, was like, no, Nana, that says wait two minutes. <laughs> so you understand what I was going to do. I was going to make a big hunk of solid cast <laughs> if I had waited two hours, okay? It was two minutes. And then you pour it into these letter molds that are really easy to use, okay? So I just know now, as soon as Alice and Ben's parents arrive, the number one thing, despite all the things that we have done this week, they, the number one thing out of their mouth is just going to be, well, Nana was going to let the cast sit for two hours <laughs> rather than two minutes. I am going to get busted within the first five minutes of the reunion <laughs> the parents and the campers. I know it. I know it. But uh, we're, we're on it. We're on this product. I can't write. It's, it's called the Alphabet Craft Kit. It's, it's really, it's a good, 
it's really good and it's unisex. I mean, Ben is as interested in doing this project as Alice is, um, and it doesn't have any little beads, feathers, or sparkles. So <laughs> thumbs up for that as well. <laughs> that sounds fun, Julie. Well, Julie, I thought of you last night because I was sitting on the couch watching the Princess Diana special on HBO, and my husband's out of town, so it was a glorious convergence of events. I could just <laughs> sit on yes. the couch without any mocking and watch Diana, our mother, this HBO documentary that was put together with the approval of the palace that featured, you know, uh, Harry and Will talking about their mother, Princess Diana, with all sorts of just glorious footage. And I have to say, I mean, I'm sure on HBO they will repeat it over and over again. I don't work in programming at HBO, so I don't know how else you can see it if you don't have HBO. But um, you can I, look online. I I saw a lot of the some of the interviews at ITV.com, which okay. is the British uh, station. Yeah, it had some of the uh, some of the footage from from the in particular the interviews be, uh, between Harry and Will, which are just so moving they about the so sense of grief, moving. the sense uh, of loss that you, you know, to lose your mother at such a vulnerable age. I mean, it, it really humanized those two in a way that, uh, you know, that I don't think, you know, we've ever seen this before. No, not from, not from Royals anyway. Yeah, no, I mean, it was very personal, very human. As you said, um, they really kind of dug deep emotionally and a couple of things were very clear. Boy, does Will hate the press. I mean, he clearly blames the press for his mother's death. And he spoke very strongly about the line and the wall that he doesn't cross. And there was all this footage that they had of, you know, Diana trying to kind of marshal the press and, and, and you know, trying to, like, create press events with the kids and then cut the press out so they could have some t- private time and the press, um, you know, infringing on that and everywhere they went. It was just, it kind of takes you back to that moment. Like she was in the papers every day, all day long, and you can physically see it. And Will clearly blames the press for her death, which is interesting. And then the other thing, uh, then there was some remarkable footage of when she went to Bosnia for her landmine project. I remember that. When she Mm -hmm. went, and it was really like the last thing she did. It was in the last month of her life that she went to Bosnia where there had been this long war and lots of people stepped on landmines, lots of kids and lost their legs. And so her you know, p- campaign was to get rid of landmines across the globe. She went with like two American professors who sort of knew about this. It was completely secret. Like they, the professors they interviewed, they said they couldn't even tell the State Department that they were taking Diana with them. I was like, really? I mean, that they're like driving all over Bosnia. She met with a 12 and a 15 year old boy and they had those guys on the show like 20 Uh years later. Oh my gosh. So that's when you start to cry. And then Jewel, I thought of you because William, apparently they asked, you know, a question, which I thought was kind of intrusive or just sort of weird like well do do your children know about your mom and you know these kids are little they're four and two mm-hmm. yeah and they said no we tell stories about grandma diana all, diana all oh, the time oh i know oh my god it's incredible to think of her as a great uh, that she it would is. be a grandmother yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah but so that's when i was just full-blown sobbing on the couch <laughs> when he said granny diana but there were just a couple of brilliant lovely moments like they pass over the divorce very quickly then she and prince charles divorced but then they just have a couple of 
spectacular interviews with people who knew her like good whole friends were like, well, it really freed her up. She really looked great after that divorce. <laughs> and then it's just like one fantastic photo after another of her going out and the dresses and the famous revenge dress shot. So that was nice. Like there's still a touch of who she was in it. So I recommend, I recommend it. I recommend it with a glass of wine and a box of tissues. Uh, if you can find Aww. that documentary, really worth it. Really worth it. Okay, and then Sunday I was just sitting on the couch. It's really hot here. So I admit I was just watching some of my DVR uh, Say Yes to the Dress episodes. <laughs> now, Julie, I know you've watched that show because you... I love it, Liam. Yeah. I don't know why. I mean, it's a guilty pleasure, yeah. you know, and, but it's, you know, it's it's groups of people. It's, it's hopeful. It's kooky. Yeah, I like it. So, Liz, you're probably not even familiar with Say Yes to the Dress. No, I have seen it and I have enjoyed it occasionally, but... It's not a show that I binge on. I feel like I can catch like 10, 15 minutes of that here or there, and it's really enough. Well, I, I have it on the DVR, and so occasionally when I'm like cleaning the kitchen, I just turn it on. You know, it's one of those things I have it on in the background. If you haven't seen it, most of it takes place, uh, in the new episodes take place at Kleinfelds in New York, a giant like three-story uh, uh, wedding dress um, factory, basically, a wedding dress uh-huh. shop. And you get to know the salespeople over the year, and they have two or three brides in every show, and you get to see them try on their dresses, and there's a lot of oh angst between the mother or the bride or the families or the brothers or the daddy's girl, and you know they all have kind of a storyline. So I was so shocked. But it's all resolved by the end of the show. Whatever problem there is, it's all resolved. Yeah. So that's that's yeah. the part of it. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, but I was excited to see the storyline. On one was Martha Stewart visits say yes to the dress. I was like holy, when did this happen? And I know it happened a year ago. It happened a year ago in conjunction with the release of her wedding book. So it was 100% a PR stunt. But you guys, she was there with, with, she couldn't even, she couldn't even play along, which is, you have to, you have to admire that. Like she wasn't going to play along in the spirit of the show. She wasn't going to buddy up to Randy, who we all love, who's on the show, one of the salespeople. She couldn't even pretend she actually knew the young girl she was supposed to be helping pick out her wedding dress. Okay. <laughs> when they asked like, why are you here today? She was like, well, one of the employees of my publicist needs a dress like she- oh. <laughs> that is that warm sounds like friendly. a close relationship that martha has bo- she's bonded yeah i mean and then uh it was clear you know usually when you see the show that they have everybody's shopping for dresses at once and you see other people in the background no they had shut down the whole showroom no one else was allowed to come in but martha her bride, the bride's mother and grandmother, and the salesperson. They even locked out the other salespeople. They showed a shot of them, like, all looking through the doorway, like, trying to get a glimpse at her. And then she had complete disregard for Kleinfeld. She's, she walked into the, you know, the back, the storeroom, and she, and she said to Randy, I don't know how you could ever find a dress in here. There are just so many. <laughs> Well, you know, Martha has whole organizing systems and I'm sure she wouldn't like that back room where they keep all the dresses and they're like rummaging through them and like pulling them out and jamming them back in. Yeah, I can see that would not be the Martha Stewart system. And the best was she was sitting, you know, on the couch with the she's sitting in the chair and the mother and the grandmother sitting on a couch. And this was it, Julie. The mother of the bride looked at Martha and said, well, you know, I'm a kindergarten teacher. 
And Martha looked at her and said, I didn't know. (laughs) (laughs) You're right. Martha just does not care. She does not care. She is. No. And she, and then, and then the mother of the bride went on to say, so I'm very crafty like you. And Martha's response was, "Uh uh-huh. So, uh, (laughs) but the the best was the bride had really already picked out a dress. So this was 100% a publicity stunt. Like she really just wanted Martha to approve of her selection. So they tried on a few other dresses, but she went back to the dress she picked out, which was a very pretty, but very plain dress. I have to say, I didn't really like it very, didn't do much for the bride. I I will say that. So they cut to Martha, like, what are your, you know, what are your opinions? And she goes, well, you have to tread very lightly. I mean, you can't tell her it looks terrible. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. It was talk about someone like the least, you know, if uh, here's a very traumatic situation, trying to pick out a wedding dress, it's very stressful. You want to be around loving, supportive people like who would be the exact opposite? (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) exactly. It was so unbelievable. But if you're a fan of Martha and you want to see her in all her Martha-ness, I think you could just Google it. You could probably find the episode on TLC, the learning channel uh, or highlights of it. I've seen those online. It's just it's brilliant. But I love that she made managed to keep taking out the wedding book. Oh, you have to get one. Telling all the salespeople that she won't even speak to or like allowed to touch her. Oh, you have to tell one. It's just, it's just unbelievable. I mean, she talk about someone who has no personal growth in 30 years. Like that. Right. I know. She, but you have to give her points for consistency. You do, man. Yeah. Like people do not expect her to be warm and fuzzy. She, she's just all about competence. That's her. That's her brand value, right? Yeah. So she's just competent That's and it. more competent at everything than you are. Yes, exactly. That Which is why the kindergarten teacher saying, I'm crafty like you. Uh-huh. Yeah, no. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was brilliant. You would have enjoyed it. Look for it. Well, Look you know, it. it's fair to say that I have a pretty complicated relationship with Martha, you know, and so, know. but at the same time, she has some wonderful recipes, right? Uh, and I love her magazine. I mean, I admit it. Okay. And so it's summertime, Leon, and you and I were talking on the phone yesterday. Um, you know, I'm, I'm uh, the campers parents. We're having a, a parents weekend essentially uh, this coming weekend. So I was sort of working on my menu selection and I'm going to do sort of farm to table because they have a fantastic farmer's market here in Steamboat. And I'm just going to buy everything at the farmer's market, slice it up and put it on the table for dinner. Yeah. That's uh, that's uh, yeah, my, my idea. But I was looking for summer salads. And uh, in particular, I'm, uh, Martha Stewart, she is a go-to person, go-to website for summer salads. And she has a great one for a corn salad. Don't you love corn salad in the summer? I do. Yes. I do. Yes, she I has do. It with, it's corn and tomato and avocado and a lot of lime and just herbs in it. So um, so I'm going to, you know, get the, get the pick, freshly picked corn and... And cook myself up some summer salad, uh, some corn salad. But Leon, you and I were discussing our new favorite summer salad. Do you want to describe it? Yes. So I'm growing some tomatoes this year and they're looking good. So Liz, I've been slicing tomatoes with peaches and nectarines, a little basil and burrata if you want to put that mm, on top. Mm, but mm. here's the key. Here's the secret I let in. Julie was thinking, oh, yeah, I'm going to do one like that too. This this tomato and peach or tomato and nectarine combination 
it, it takes a while to get used to. Like you're like, hmm. But then you see it on the plate. It's gorgeous. I said, Julie, the secret is to get the flavored olive oil, the blood orange olive oil. Let Julie oh. do that secret. So I, I mean, that that's Leanne's top secret that she doesn't give to everyone. So, I mean, because most recipes, when you look this up, when you Google, uh, Google it, it, it will not say blood orange olive oil. It will say olive oil and maybe, a, you know, a little bit of vinegar um, as well. But I think Leanne, uh, I, so I'm going to uh, search out some blood orange olive oil here in Steamboat. So we wanted to let so Leanne, this- this puts you directly in competition with Martha then as far as summer salad uh, <laughs> insights go. Is that, you're really taking Martha on now? No, I can't. I couldn't even. I couldn't even. You know, I just could I'm not even worthy. I'm not in the same category. And I like to share my secrets. I'm just saying. It's worth it. Brings out the sweetness in the tomatoes and in the nectarines, and it's a delicious nice. summer salad. <laughs> so keep that in mind. Okay, um, it's Tuesday, and I have one Tuesday trend uh, for you today, sisters. And this is um, it's a story of Frances Gabe. She she was a feminist and a mother of two, and she's from Newbury. Oregon. Liz, do you know? I don't know if you know know where that is in Oregon. I don't know where that is, but I can Google that right now, Julie. Okay, so, find out if it's in the zone of totality. <laughs> and I knew that you would both like this because Frances was a great feminist. She had children. She did all that, but she got really tired of housework. So raise your hand if you're tired of housework. I think we all feel the yes. same way. Mm-hmm. So Frances got to work and she built herself a self cleaning house. Now, let me explain how this works. She essentially created a house that was like a giant dishwasher, Leon. She had, she put in, uh, these are patents. She had 68 patented devices that she, um, that she built into this house in Newbury, Oregon. She had a sprinkler system in the ceiling that essentially she could turn on and it would wash the entire house. Uh, and she had drains in the, you know, in the floor and in the shower area that funneled all the wastewater away. And then she had a, ventil- a special ventilation system that would dry the house. Oh, for so goodness she sakes. Be- wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Think about it. Like a self-cleaning house. Okay, you need to spruce it up. You just put on your raincoat, put up, pull up your umbrella and turn on the sprinkler system and wash down the whole place. Uh, I assume she had some covers for some of the upholstered furniture, but everything else, she just washed it down and then just blow dried the house. So, so it's fresh. like living inside a dishwasher. Yes, yes essentially. exactly. Yes. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. but the thing is that Frances lived to, she was 101. So she lived, you know, had a great life, but somehow um, that no one in her family ever found all these patented infer- you know, patents and her patents actually have, ex- have expired. So, which is too bad. I mean, uh, because it seems like she did all this hard work to figure out how to make a self-cleaning house, um, and to create all these devices, but now that they, they won't live on, but there, there's now a group of relatives and others that are trying to to reapply for some of these patents, because I think this is a trend that could catch on. We have self-driving cars. It is now time for self-cleaning houses. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So I Googled this, Julie, and I'm looking, there was a story about this in the daily mail in the UK. Yes. So they have some of the headlines you just said, says she received notoriety during the home's heyday. 
Gabe was called difficult by friends and was not liked by her neighbors because of her eccentric tastes. <laughs> well, that's... <laughs> oh, okay. So Newberry, Oregon. Gotta, gotta check that out. I see her very cute picture of her in her slicker and her umbrella. Yeah, we're going to post house. that. We will definitely post that. Okay. It just it's all amazing, sounds very damp to me. It sounds, it sounds very damp. I don't understand. But well, you know, okay. it's the vaccination. So, I mean, do your uh, dishes come out damp? No. Yeah, but I'm I mean, not, I'm not, I don't put like a pillow. I mean, it sounds like a lot of work to cover the beds and everything. I don't, I don't really get it, but it sounds okay. a little, I don't know. I don't know if there's well, huge implications, Julie. I would, okay. I think the self-driving okay. car is just a better situation than the self-cleaning, like living inside a dishwasher. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Okay. <laughs> Okay. Well, we'll see. I mean, remember, we'll remember Leanne, Oregon is damp all the time anyway. So, you know, you can yeah, have that Yeah, so making on. it damper, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe, I guess okay. you're used to sitting on wet furniture. I don't, I don't understand. <laughs> I don't really okay. understand. Okay. You're taking all the fun out of it, Leanne. Okay. okay Maybe you would be one of those neighbors that did not like her. Just think <laughs> she was too eccentric for you. Um all right, moving on. I have a very hey, Jill, quick... if you have to go, I know camp is in session. I, I can't. So... We, we really, we have putt-putt golf in okay. two minutes. I got to go. Okay. Bye. Oh, Julie, Bye then one, Julie, wait, wait, wait. One thing I, you need to tell the kids, because I, I know they're in training for the family reunion. We've added an event, and the event is the Uncle Dick Memorial Glider Launch. Okay. <laughs> so you know that our... Crazy Uncle Dick would come to family event with like paper airplanes and drinking birds. And he always had like toys and stuff for us that did weird things. So in honor of Uncle Dick, who we have lost since our last family reunion, we will, they are the, the Sudbury, Massachusetts cousins are sending, sending an entire box of gliders in Uncle Dick's honor. And we will be launching these from Dick's front porch on Friday night. Oh, so, nice. Okay. All right. Yeah, sounds excellent. We'll, we'll do some practicing. We're going to yes, pick I up do. some lighters here. <laughs> we, we, again, we just, we're, we come to metal. That's the only reason we're coming to this event. <laughs> okay. Yeah. That's why I wanted to give you the heads up on the glider. Okay. Launch. That's mm. good. You're okay. Good. Talk right. to you later, sisters. Bye, Joe. Okay, bye-bye. Oh, yeah, the glider launch is going to be good. I think that's... Uh, it's competitive? That... Is that it? The... No. Okay. No, but, <laughs> but you know, it seems like many of the things that we have proposed that I did not think were going to be competitive have developed that way. So <laughs> not necessarily a contest, but I okay. leave people to their own devices. Uh, knowing your sons, it will become competitive. Yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> that's true. Okay. Um so Operation Sea Turtle. So this is the meditation fail edition of Operation Sea Turtle. As I've explained on the show since the beginning of the year, as part of my health and wellness program, I've been trying to figure out if meditation is for me. Like, can I, am I really going to benefit from this? Like, mm. so I attempted that first class, which I shared on Satellite Sisters, that that I found the meditation teacher a little passive-aggressive, right? Right. And she was, you know, I thought she was being a little tough on me for falling asleep. And, uh, you know, there's no need for that kind of thing no. in, a, in a meditation class. So I moved on, and I found another place that I actually really did like. And 
I liked it for two reasons. There's a particular teacher there named Heather who just I really liked. She had a great voice, 45-minute guided meditation. I like fantastic. The second part of it I loved is that it's in a room that smells delicious. <laughs> they have they ha- I like so it's an aromatherapy experience that I don't normally like smelly things, but there's just something about the scent that they are diffusing into this studio that really the moment I walk into the room, I automatically feel better, even before there's any meditation involved. Wow. You just sit, you sit on the floor in a cushion. So, so I could obviously buy a diffuser for my home and just like cut straight to the aromatherapy and give up meditation altogether. But I did not, I've been going. So I, I walk up there a couple nights a week and I really thought I am getting the hang of meditation. I am enjoying this. And I think this is actually adding to my life. So last night here in Bend, Oregon, you know, there's a beautiful fitness center here that the that Bend Parks and Recreation runs called Juniper Pool and Fitness, right? Lee, and I know you take yoga there. When it's you're great, there, right? great classes. Unbelievable that it's a public facility. It's fantastic. Yes, it is really fantastic. Gorgeous pool. I went to the water aerobics class there yesterday during the day, but then I saw that they had guided meditation on the schedule for last night. So I thought, okay, I'll do that. So I went back there last night. And first of all, when I walked in, I was very bummed out to see on the schedule I thought it, it said it started at 6.30, so I thought it was like 6.30 to 7.15 or something, like a 45-minute class. No, it was a 15-minute class, oh, so, okay. which, which is fine. Lots of people meditate for short periods, but I already started like complaining in my own mind, like <laughs> even at that, like, you mean I got myself all the way here, and now I have to, I'm going to have to like, of course, I'm 15 minutes early, so I have to sit here and wait 15 minutes, and then the meditation's <laughs> only going to be 15 minutes. This is going to take me 15 minutes to get home. This is stupid. So I did not start in the right frame of mind for the, for the guided meditation. And then I get there and I see that Phyllis, who I don't know, uh, is not there. There's a substitute, I don't know, Brad or something. I forget what his name was. So he's going to be leading the meditation. So then in my mind also, I'm complaining about, I don't even get the real teacher. Okay, whatever, whatever. I'll just go in. And then I go in and we start the meditation. There are like, you know, I don't know, 10 people in the class. And apparently Brad, the sub, has not read the class description, Leon, because it's not a guided meditation. It's a silent meditation. So now I'm really mad. Now I'm just literally, (laughs) now I just drove to a place, waited 15 minutes to sit on the floor in a yoga studio silently, and it doesn't even smell good. Uh, So by the end of the 15-minute unguided meditation, I had worked myself up into such a tizzy about what a waste of time it was (laughs) that I was like, Maybe I really have not gotten the hang of meditation, you know? <laughs> meditation, yeah. <laughs> Talking about Martha and her personal growth, I have been, I think, prematurely giving myself some credit for personal growth. Because if I can't even sit quietly for 15 minutes without, as they say, the monkeys running wild in my temple, 
they were running wild and they were so mad and brag. <laughs> like I almost, I almost <laughs> like raised my hand at one point and said, aren't you supposed to be talking? Isn't there supposed to be, aren't you supposed to be guiding me through the, and like, have you even read the class description? <laughs> so then I yeah. spent the last, the last five minutes, I spent the whole time just planning my menu for dinner. So good. It yeah. was, yeah, <laughs> that's good. It's meditative of sorts. I hope I hope blood olive oil was included, or blood orange olive oil. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, gonna have to reapply myself to that uh, that meditation. Well, it sounds like that was something that you would do after like a yoga class. You that's know? exactly what it was. That's the. That's, it's yeah. not like it wasn't meant really to be a standalone class, and yeah. No. So yeah, there yeah. you go. No. Well, that's what. Keep trying, yeah. Liz. Keep trying. You know, mm-hmm. or just go back to the one person you like. And that's that's it. Yeah. Sometimes these things are very personal. You know, you've got mm-hmm. your guru. Mm-hmm. So Heather. So just stick mm-hmm. with Heather, your guru. Mm-hmm. Your guru. Yeah. <laughs> my guru. I don't I hadn't really thought of her as my guru, but I yes, there's something about uh, the Heather and the room and the smell that works for me. And anything outside of that, not so much. Yeah. Okay, so the, then I had another thing that got me in a tizzy. And here I just like, I'm not sure anyone can help in this situation, but let me explain the scenario and see if there was anything that you would do next. Because I have a stalemate in my garage, Leanne. There's a stalemate in the garage uh, in my building in Santa Monica. You know, it's a condo building with uh, 14 units in it. So most people have, you know, two parking spaces. Um, and the, but some people have, one. Some people have two parking spaces, but three cars. Anyway, things get a little messy down there. Yeah. Anyway, you've seen my parking space. I have a, what I would call a geometrically challenging space, right? Yes, you do. Yep. Because it requires precision parking every time. Every time. Yep. Because I have a wall on one side and pillars on the other and it's very narrow, which is why when I just bought my new used car last week, I bought the exact same car that I had before because I know how to precision park it into the space. Right. I was not willing to risk any different dimensions of my car. Well, part of the reason I needed to get a new car, my car was 10 years old, is because getting out of my space, there is a hazard. It's too complicated to explain, but it's hard to back out and then proceed forward and to the right. This has made, been made much harder since one of my upstairs neighbors about six, a month, about six months ago bought a giant SUV, which, guess what, does not fit into their space oh. uh, or fits in, but only if they pull all the way in, which they don't because they don't want to, because it's hard. So now what used to be like a eight point turn to get out of my parking space has become like a 28 point turn. Oh, you know, what a pain. It is such a pain. And, I, and I've just kind of let it go because whatever, life is too short, Operation Sea Turtle, channel the spirit of the sea turtle. But now that I just paid for a new car and don't want to scratch it up again on the side the way I did with my old car. The other day when I walked down, the guy whose SUV it was was standing right there. So I thought, okay, be brave. Just talk to your neighbor and just see if you can right, just, negotiate just try to, deal. Yeah. Just appeal to his sense of community, right? right? Like 
Everybody has a space. Just park all the way in it. Anyway, the moment I started to even broach this subject, he like completely exploded. I can't do that. How do you? How can you expect me to pull all the way in? And then I can't get out of the back seat. I'm just, how would I possibly do that? And like I under, I was trying to be super sensitive. I understand. They have kids, too, which is why having not being able to get in and out of the back seat when your kids are in the back seat, I get that that's a problem. So here's what you do. So you take your kids out and then you finish parking the car. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I did not say that. Yeah. I was just like, you know, I just, I'm just appealing to you to give me a hand. If you could just pull it as far in as you can possibly get it. You see what my dilemma is here. Uh, I'm just asking you to like help, just help me get out of my parking space. You understand that hanging over makes that impossible. And it was just a flat no, Liam, like a flat no. Wow. Like, like, no, I'm not going to do that. And like, after I asked nicely, like the fourth time, like, well, maybe you're not understanding. You see, like I, my last car, I pulled off the side because of the thing and the, so what do you do when it's just a, com- nobody even wants to, he didn't even want to play along. He didn't even want to, like, he didn't even say, okay, I'll try. I, I have say- no, I have no suggestions. Maybe someone kinder uh, and gentler than me can, can do that. I don't know. I, I don't know yeah, what you do. No. It's just it's something that builds and builds and builds until you're just one day yes. going to ram his car on purpose. <laughs> I know. Oh, that's another thing he said to me. He said, yeah, I, you know, I see that someone hit my car, the front bumper. I'm not saying it's you or anything, but my car got hit. That's when I almost completely lost it. Oh, Again, wow. like, thank goodness I've been practicing meditation. Yeah. Because he was essentially brushing me back with right. his accusation that my car had hit his car getting out of my space. Anyway, it's just, it's so annoying that he wasn't even willing to at that point, I just wanted him to pretend he was going to try. Right. Like, even if he never does it, so, okay, I understand. Like, I'll see what I can figure out. Like, I, he didn't even do that. So this is the problem with people who are just not neighborly. Right. It's just like a thorn in your side, and there, but there's nothing you can do to change their behavior. They're just so not part of a community. Like, you should just go get your own house then. Go get your own parking garage. Like. <laughs> It's true. It's true. I I would not care where you were parking unless you were preventing me from getting out of my parking. I don't want to have to care about this, buddy. That's what I wanted to say to him. Like, really, you think I want to stand here and talk to you about how you park your car? (laughs) You could not be more wrong. I just want you to park in your freaking parking (laughs) space. That's how I'm asking. (laughs) Anyway. Okay. Still made in the garage. Now I'm just going to have to do that thing where every time you come in and out, if he's there, you're going to have to hide or run back in the elevator. You know, I just can't come face to face with him anymore. Oh, because yeah, because you're going to kill him. Yeah. 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 That's good. Wow. See, Julie, feel- Julie leaves the show and it's, it's just all chaos breaks loose. Julie probably <laughs> would have had a good negotiating trick for this, yeah. but I got nothing because I get it. Yeah. Like, yeah, I have. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, one issue with the neighbor and the, the dog and, you know, him walking his dog and just letting his dog run all over our yard. And he just is unrelenting. And it's been 15 years. So 
Well, yes. <laughs> I got nothing for you. <laughs> I would classify that as a stalemate. Yeah, I it's think a, stalemate, a stalemate, all right. So uh, so now we just stare at each other, uh, give each other flashing dirty looks. So it's it's weirdly satisfying. Um, so that's that's exactly what's going to happen with this guy now. Yeah. By by even opening up the conversation now, I just have to spend the next twenty years avoiding him. I it know. just isn't. Yeah, or just you know, just per, just every periodically just um, hand his a, car, put a note on his car. Really inconvenient yeah. today. Really inconvenient yeah. today. That would be like a passive aggressive way to deal with it. That <laughs> may actually be kind of satisfying for you. So. <laughs> okay. That's, I will take that under consideration. Yeah. My strategy, my strategy to break the stalemate. Yeah. I don't know. I think I just have to hope he buys a smaller car, but he's got three kids. I don't think that's going to happen. No. Yeah. No. Of course. Oh, can I just say, and then we can move on. Cause I know this is not that interesting <laughs> to some people. He, he himself, his car is a Porsche. So he drives a two seater, which is parked in another space in the parking lot where by the way, the big SUV would fit in that space, but no, he makes his wife park the SUV in the, in the terrible space. Oh, so don't wow. get, okay. now I'm going to start leaving notes on that guy's car. <laughs> just, okay. Whew, maybe that's all I needed was to just put it out there. Just, okay. You let okay. it go, Liz. You let it go into the universe. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe, maybe somebody will answer. Maybe somebody yeah. will answer in your garage with something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I think you have to go back and read Dr. Forney's book, you know, again, or maybe leave Dr. Forney's book of the rules of civilized conduct at the front door to a unit number. I will not name the number. There you go. Okay. Yeah. With the, with the post-it right in the highlighted page about being neighborly. Good. That's a good suggestion. That's a good That suggestion. is super passive aggressive. Yeah. I like that Do one. Do it. Okay. Do it. All right. Uh, All right, just to end on a more positive note, um, Friday night, I'm going to be at Vroman's with my friend Jenny Williams. Uh, Jenny has a new book out called The Atlas of Forgotten Places, and it's sort of a, it's a literary page turner, uh, and it's set in Uganda. And Jenny has experience. She was an aid worker in Uganda for many years, and she used all that experience and her knowledge of the country to create just a beautiful book about the story of two women, uh, one who's from Uganda, another who's an aid worker, kind of trying to solve a mystery together and go on this journey together. And I'm really looking forward to talking to Jenny at Vroman's. So if you're in Southern California and you want to swing by, that's the big bookstore in Pasadena, Friday night at 7 p.m. Um, but we're also going to try to face Facebook Live it. So if you can't be there in person, you can log into the Satellite Sisters Facebook page and we're going to make that happen or it'll be up all weekend long afterwards. Uh, so you can watch it after. But I wanted to let people know. That is know. great. Yeah, yeah. You know, what's neat is that Jenny and I were in an online writing class together. When I wrote Elizabeth, the first wife, she was working on this book. She was, our books could not be more different. And she's an absolutely beautiful writer. She has an MFA. She really writes in sort of lyrical precision, almost poetry-like kind of writing. And she was super helpful in giving me critique on my book. Like she wasn't judgy that I was not writing a literary page turner. Mm-hmm. You know, I was writing a very different book, a social satire. And, and, um, and so it's been fun to see this book finally get published, but it's been through a lot of different versions for a variety of reasons. She has kind of an interesting publishing story, and we're going to talk about that. I get questions all the time about writing or rewriting or how do you know, you know, 
when it's done and she really kind of put this manuscript through its paces and had some setbacks and, you know, four and a half years after she got an agent, she got a publishing deal and there are reasons for that. So we're going to talk about her publishing story too and her approach to writing and rewriting. So if you're interested in just the writing process, it's, I, I, we're going to try to dig deep with her because she's really kind of thought through all of that. So I'm looking forward to talking to her and seeing her. She lives in Seattle now. She works at Google uh, now. She's her day job is at Google, but wow. Uh, yeah. She's writing literary fiction on the side. So, um, which again, most writers have real jobs that is, that are not writing. Uh, <laughs> so, but if you can come to Romans, come to Romans. If you can't, um, you can find us at the Satellite Sisters Facebook page where we will be Facebook living it. I think but I'm 99% yeah. sure we're going to give it a go. Oh, Oh, it, it was so easy. Remember, we made it work last time. I so know. It's, I think okay. it's two things. We don't really have someone yet in charge of it. And I realized we used your iPad to shoot it. Kind of a better yeah. thing to put in the C-stand. I don't have an iPad. So uh, I'm talking to Jenny today. Hopefully she has an iPad. I don't, I don't have one. So um, we'll figure mm. it out. We're going to figure it mm-hmm. out. We'll get it going. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I you know I think you're right. The person who works at Google can probably figure that yeah, out. Yeah, can probably figure it out. So that's <laughs> <laughs> so... <laughs> okay. Well, you know, I had offered to come out and help you with that, but then I realized I'm home in Santa Monica to do some work, some recording, but my car will be in still up in Bend, Oregon. So the getting from Santa Monica to Pasadena with no car that would be. I'm willing to do it, Leanne. But it would take me most of the afternoon I to get there. I think we're fine. We can make it happen. I have two okay. sons. They can do it. I don't want, okay. you, I want you going into your garage while you're home. Okay? I can stay <laughs> out of the garage, Liz. Garage. Okay. All right. So, so a, couple- a reminder, if you have questions for uh, our astronomer, family astronomer regarding the eclipse, you can go ahead and put that on our Facebook group page. Uh, ask yes. those questions. We will re- be recording that episode Friday morning, and we will be posting it on Tuesday, so you need to get your questions in before Friday. And then we will also be having a post, uh, I keep wanting to say apocalypse, but post-eclipse <laughs> show, uh, yes. August 22nd. And Liz, you wanted to get people to contribute their stories as well to that? Yes. How, how yes. So I will, I will put another post in the Facebook group, like the, so on the day of, if you can post what your experience was, then we will use that to talk about when we record our show the next day. So, of course, I'll talk about my experience. Uh, but if you have particular things you want to share about being in the totality, not in the totality, you know, how much you enjoyed it, how much time you spent in the traffic jam, whatever your eclipse experience is, we're going to bond over that on Tuesday, August 22nd. Great. So there will be there will be a place for you to put stories, videos, photos, whatever, post it right in the Satellite Sisters Facebook group. And then new regular Satellite Sisters shows will be back in September. After Labor yes. Day, we will let you know we're gearing up for our fall season. Also, uh, all of our recaps, some, several of our recaps will be back. We have to, we're going to have to maybe cut one of the recaps because we just can't watch that much TV, frankly. <laughs> <laughs> So we're Julie and I are in discussions on which TV recaps are moving forward. We know Madam Secretary for sure. So uh, for sure. Yeah. And uh, and and we're doing that. And um, that's it. 
All right. We want to thank our sponsors again. Thank Rover and thank Harry's. You can find information about our sponsors at SatelliteSisters.com. And uh, usually all the links from the show are at SatelliteSisters.com. We really try to do complete um, show notes. So if you're looking for a link, that's the best place to start. Right, Liz? Mm-hmm. You do a good mm-hmm. job. That is the best place. You do yeah. a good job on that. Uh, I do a mediocre job, but Liz does an excellent job on that. So. <laughs> Well, that's what the team is for, Lee, and we each have our own. You do the audio editing, and then you hand off certain things to me, and then I try to uh, put it into the other forms. So, yeah, that's great. And remember, we're getting a lot of photos of people buying their new Satellite Sisters T-shirts or Satellite Sisters hats. I got to say, the Satellite Sisters hat with our Orbit logo would be appropriate for watching an eclipse. Just saying. I'm going to order one of those. Yeah, that's a good idea. I have one. I have one. So you go to you go to cafepress.com and then when you get there just search on satellite sisters and it will pop right up. The t-shirts, hoodies, hats, whatever you want uh in that orbit logo. Very very uh eclipse appropriate. Oh, <laughs> <Okay. laughs> we'll marketer. Uh, along, along with your eclipse classes, of course. Uh, so don't forget about those. Okay. Well, thanks, Leanne. I think I'll, uh, I think I'll see you tomorrow. But yeah. this was fun today. <laughs> All right. We're the Satellite Sisters. Don't forget. Call your Satellite Sister. <laughs>